Digital Marketing Radio, episode 219, Growth Hacking, an online graphic design business. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Broadcasting live on the Digital Marketing Radio Facebook page, this is the weekly show that prizes actionable advice from today's top digital marketers. Catch up with all the previous episodes at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain Hello, I'm David Bain and today I'm joined by a man who helps thousands of businesses improve their creativity through flat rate graphic design business or a flat flat rate graphic design business service. Services. Well, <laughs> services, absolutely. Uh, well, uh, you heard him there. Welcome to DMR, Russ Perry. Hey, thanks for having me, David. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us, um, Russ, and hopefully I can get my teeth back in for the rest of the episode. That'd be good. Um, so you can find Russ over at designpickle.com. So um, we're chatting, um, obviously, graphic design services online and um, how you can actually growth hack them or Russ's experience of doing that. Um, so why did you actually decide to offer a graphic design service for a, a fixed monthly fee, Russ? It, it honestly fell into my lap. Uh, before I did this, I was, was a, I, I say, a tortured agency owner, a tortured creative agency owner. I had, I had attempted to become uh, a creative agency here locally in Scottsdale, Arizona for about eight and a half years. And honestly, the business model was just not working for me. And uh, by, you know, I don't have three hours to explain all the problems that I was having. But after I closed it and I had a, had a partner who was remote, I had a partner the last three years of that who was in Argentina and we had done some work together. After I closed it, I realized to myself, well, one, I was almost 30 and I was like, I'm screwed. I can't go just get a regular job. I've been an entrepreneur too long. I have to figure out something in the creative space. So I just did, I just started consulting. And, and for me, consulting was basically me begging my friends to give me a job while I needed to figure out what I was going to do. But with this consulting process, I started to have more small requests come in and more small things that came into my lap than these large strategy, big picture type projects that I was used to with the agency. And I just at a part laziness, but also part sort of innovation. I said to myself, well, I wonder if I could take all these little things that really are just like a binary input and output. Hey, make this business card. Hey, do this brochure. Hey, update this banner. And I wonder if I can create a system. And I was at the time reading all a bunch about SaaS companies and recurring revenue. And I was like, I wonder if I could just package it in a way to where someone could just have somebody whenever they need and get this help. But from a business model standpoint, I could sell it like like all the softwares that I pay for every month that I love, that's just one price. So um, it was it was kind of an experiment, and it, and it ended up working to quite a to large degree. But uh, I, at the time, I never I wasn't sure if it could. We were uh, there wasn't anyone else in the space doing that, uh, and I and I ended up pricing it way too low initially. It was like it was way cheaper than where we're at now. So I learned I was like losing money on it. But ultimately, I did it to scratch my own itch, which I think is one of the reasons why we've had success is because I just had this problem of managing this stuff. And I and I said, well, if I could, if this is helping me, maybe I can sell it to other people. So did you choose or try or consider any other business model beforehand? 
did you think of just actually selling these services on an ad hoc basis or did you always have this fixed monthly fee in mind? You know, it's so funny you asked this question because I literally just moved into a new house two days ago and I was going through a big stack of my notebooks going back to 2014, specifically December of 2014 when I was really concepting this idea. And I know it's mostly audio, but I took pictures of my sketches and my notes and I and I did try it initially. We had a one a one design um, pricing model where you could like try it for a, like fifty bucks as as, as I think I what I put on there. And then we also had like a you know first design free, and we had some other ancillary pricing models. But ultimately, it just complicated the sales conversations, and people were asking too many questions. And I was the sales guy and the marketing guy and the and the pick dressing up as the pickle so to 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 have too many questions was like too too much work so i said screw it we're just going to drop everything and just have one price and we're just going to see if this works so you said the person dressing up as the pickle didn't you <laughs> i did because Literally. that was just a very small uh, couple of words just in the middle of that uh, <laughs> section so i I know this is a digital marketing show, but I will say there is a lot of value online companies can get from offline marketing efforts. And so our very first offline marketing event we ever did was at the Infusion, Infusionsoft conference in Phoenix, Arizona in 2015. And they were all sold out, sold out of booths. It was like two weeks before the show. And so I negotiated a $3,000 sponsorship, which was like more money than I could ever imagine at the time to do this. And I was quarantined to the lunch tile area and I was allowed to hand out pickles. And we wrapped the pickles with our marketing collateral, but I said, I'm not just going to hand out pickles. And I went on Amazon, I bought a pickle outfit, which we still have out in the office over here. And I handed out pickles. And as a, as a PR activity, it was a huge success, but I was so hot and I couldn't talk, I couldn't collect business cards or get any leads. So it ended up being this like mad rush of pickles. Uh, but it's literally, I'm not even exaggerating. We still get sales years later from that event with people say, I saw you as the pickle and I want to try your service. But you only did it the once. You didn't repeat that. Well, we now you I per me personally, I was only the pickle for a few months, and I was like, I am hiring someone to do this as soon as I can because I do not want to be doing this. <laughs> that was the first. So thing now you we outsourced. actually have exactly, exactly. <laughs> so now we actually have one of our usually the newest person on the team has to dress up as the pickle, <laughs> and we do do trade shows. It's been a really, really nice uh, bookend to our marketing strategy is to have a heavy online presence, but you can still meet us and talk to us at a lot of different events. Okay. So that's your last step in your interview process gets dressed up in a pickle or costume. And if you can handle that, then you're <laughs> actually in. it's like the first, the first, no, it's the, they, we, they don't even know. It's like, it's sort of like the two week trial, like, okay, now you got to dress up as the pickle. And if they stick around through that, then they can build their cool. <laughs> so, I mean, you definitely seem to have got the business model right pretty much from the start there. Uh, you grew the business from zero to over a million dollars in 16 months. So mm -hmm. what is the, the the primary thing that you actually attribute um, the majority or a large chunk of that success to? There's two really big factors with it. And one is probably pretty obvious to your audience. Uh, one might not be. It was not obvious to me. So the first one was I mastered online marketing myself out of the gates. I knew nothing about Facebook ads. I knew that our target audience 
had wasn't necessarily searching for a designer on Google, like, hey, where do I find a designer search? Because I don't want that guy or gal who's never worked with the designer. I want someone who has who's in trouble. Like we say, yo, they're in a design pickle. They they need help with something. Um, or they have a relationship and they need some they need some extra support. So Facebook was the go-to medium for us because it's kind of Hey, check this out. Look at this. But I went and I took online classes. I went to udemy.com. I was literally doing the Facebook ads in the Facebook ad builder. And it probably took me two weeks to figure it out. But we, but this was, we're talking the first 90 days out of the gates for, for us as a startup. What that ended up allowing me to do is it allowed me to, to, to outsource that position, but also hold the person accountable for it. And I know a lot of friends who try to hire design or uh, sorry, ad guys and, and, and digital marketers, and they try to outsource it, but they don't know those skills themselves. And then they get, they get hosed, they get ripped off. They don't know how to hold them accountable. So that was piece one. The other piece, which I didn't realize is we charge enough upfront that we can recoup. We can have a pretty high CPA cost per acquisition, the price we pay per, per client we can have a very high one because we're immediately getting paid $370 the first month someone is with us. And we learned that clients on average stay anywhere from three to nine months, if not longer. So we could see CPAs upward of three, four, $500 and still be profitable over the long run. I don't know what I would do if I was selling a $25 widget or if I was selling something that didn't have such a high uh, purchase price as well as customer lifetime value, because that has allowed me to continue to invest into online advertising. And like we mentioned, offline events, which cost a lot of money, which with even higher cost per acquisition costs. Okay, okay. Um, I'm just taking a little aside here again. And um, obviously, I, I love the phraseology that you said there, in that um, you, I guess, Use the phrase um, when people were in a d design pickle, and that's where the brand um, <laughs> phrase popped in. So um, is that where the brand idea came from, or did it come from somewhere else? I wish. I wish I was that clever, because that would be the easiest answer. And I could probably lie to you, but I don't lie, so that's not <laughs> going to be what I tell you. The real reason was that my agency I mentioned had the world's worst name. It was, and I'm going to say it as best as I can, NSB slash keen k-e-a-n-e so if you try to say that in a sales conversation or do a prospect or a client it sucks you yeah. can't you never get it right if you Everything's say, if you say it on a podcast you've got no chance of someone actually writing it down no correctly. chance yeah. no one's ever going to hear it msb dean what did you say mm. so i knew i wanted a clear name that was memorable i personally love pickles they're near pickled foods of all kinds are near and dear to my heart and designpickle.com was domain was available. So I just snapped it up, drew the logo a couple times. My three-year-old at the time said, it's a pickle. And I digitized it and we were off to the race ends and branding was complete in about 30 minutes. Wow. That's incredible. The .com was actually available as well. So you didn't have to pay over the odds. Right? For yeah. That's super. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So um, you grew the business quickly. So you talked about advertising a bit. So and, and you're testing different things in terms of uh, with, a, with a growth hacker mindset. Um, so mm. kind of what different areas did you test and why did you test them and what actually worked best? 
Yeah. So the three main areas we tested was a lot of around like the, the paid advertising to free webinar model, which I read first in the dot-com secrets book by Russell Bronson. Great book really gave me a good insight into digital marketing. So that was the first model we tested. The second was just buy. Here's our service, buy it. No funnel, no lead capture, nothing. And the third was then the, the weekly blog. And sometimes we do weekly, sometimes we do monthly, but hey, subscribe to our content. Let's, let's give you value, give you value, give you value through email marketing and, uh, and then try to make an offer. Out of all three of those, the direct offer, the direct sales offer has for years outperformed any of those. Interesting. And what we discovered was we were unnecessarily, unnecessarily elongating the sales cycle through the other strategies that we, people who were ready to buy didn't buy because then they would watch the webinar and then a couple day sequence would go through and then they would be distracted and not buy. So we were actually lowering sales by not just saying buy. Hmm. And, and it turns out that our brand became memorable enough that the people who didn't buy didn't need a constant drip of content or information to come back to us when they were ready. They just remembered, oh, those pickle guys, the right. guy who dressed up as the pickle, I'm going to go, I'm going to go try them out now. So really now our, our sales strategy is super, super um, broken in terms of we don't have a continuous funnel strategy from top of funnel content to low funnel. We literally have funny, ridiculous, silly top of funnel content, really not related to design. A lot of related to pickles. We've gone to pickle factories. We have the pickle dressed up doing all sorts of silly stuff. And then we have a ton of retargeting buy now content. And so that get, and then we just leave the middle out. Maybe we're, we're wasting money at this point, but for us, that's been the, the highest profit strategy for us. And, um, again, not everybody has a, a, as memorable of as a brand as we do. And what we're doing is simple. It's design. We're not trying to sell, you know, marketing automation services or this new cool analytics package you've never used. And we have a ton of upfront education that we have to do before you see the value. Either people see the value in design or they don't. And then end of conversation. And do you try and measure how many touch points, how many experiences with your brand it takes on average before someone is willing to make that purchase decision? You know, we don't. And it's been a huge problem for us. And we actually just uh, invested in HubSpot for our CRM okay. to be able to do that because we had three different systems measuring things as well as Google Analytics, which is really anonymous and not super accurate in a lot of ways because of how much traffic's blocked and, and it wasn't working. And that, and this has been a huge struggle for us to kind of get to that next level is knowing, okay, on average, this is how many touch points or, or this is the timeline between first touch and purchase. Um, I, w I could guess, but, you know, most guesses are wrong. And so mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say with confidence what it is, but it's either right away or, or we, like I said, we've had people wait two years to buy, but right. they've, they've remembered us and they've kept in touch. So and in terms of retargeting, are you just retargeting using Facebook? Or are you using lots of different networks as well? We have been primarily using uh, the 
you know, Google's networks okay. as well as Facebook. Um, we've we've tried third party plugins to those like AdRoll sure. and using that. Um, it's been everyone has their own opinion. If I talk to the Facebook guy, he's in a safe, you know, let's use Facebook. It's better. If I talk to the Google guy, the Google guys would be better. But we just try to to flood it. Because again, if you've come to us, you probably have an acute need at that point, or there's something on your mind. So we want to get in you as much as we can over the next two weeks. And if you ultimately don't decide to purchase, you've had enough brand exposure that you will remember us when that pain becomes even worse. And then you do need to come back to us and try us out. But it's, uh, but I will say the, the, the CPA, I mean, this is no surprise for anyone who's done remarketing. It's a third of the cost for, sure. for the remarketing. I mean, and that's another reason why we're putting more effort this year into top of funnel traffic building is because we want a bigger remarketing pool that we can tap into. Is it right then that you're only focusing primarily on retargeting and you're not doing anything like similar audiences on Facebook? No, it's not. We are, we we are testing in those areas. It's just we found that we haven't maxed out retargeting to in some areas. Right. Uh, but what we are testing now, because we have such a large client base, we are testing verticals with vertically oriented landing pages around industry professions. So if you're a Let's say you're a digital marketer. We would have an ad campaign and a landing page on design pickle for digital marketers or design pickle for gyms or design pickle for dentists or design pickle for whoever. So that is a that is a, a new strategy that we are going to be rolling out over. We just started about a month ago and then we're going to be rolling out because because each person then can see a landing page and sample work and copying messaging that makes sense to them versus just a, a generic hodgepodge of everything we've done. Got you. And you're obviously getting this categorization from Facebook. Well, yeah, it and our own clients, because we've we've right. had a you know a couple thousand clients come through our doors. So we can actually build match like Facebook like audience and match audiences with our current or our our our, our total client database and segment within those and then build from there. And what about in terms of the the content that you publish yourself for further up the funnel? Um, do you try and actually write that based upon a standard buyer persona, or do you do you not really think about that? This has been if it's like <laughs> this is the war that goes on internally at Design Pickle is how do we what's our voice because. Mm. For pretty strong opinion of what we like to consume internally and the voice that we like, but it isn't always necessarily the same style of our personas that we're going after. Mm. And we flip flopped. We've, we've gone very creative and fun, but that stuff doesn't necessarily convert as well as sort of ho-hum and direct. Um, we're going to, we're trying to do a little bit of both though. So we are going to be working. So I mentioned we're miss, we're not focusing on the mid funnel right now. That's going to be changing with HubSpot. So we are going to be starting to put out weekly content that's focused on the interested, but not ready to buy target persona. Sure. And we are going to be focusing a lot on 
the creative process and how you can be better creatively, how you can make a, how you can work with creatives and whether you work with us or not, how you can hire a designer, express your ideas, get inspiration, come up with unique campaign and marketing strategies. And so that content will be definitely focused around buyer personas. Above that, we are just trying to be fun and silly. Whoever thinks, because because if you like that, and then you're and then you like the buyer persona content, mm. then that means you're you're kind of got a good sense of humor, and you're a good fit for our service. <laughs> so we use that top of funnel silliness as a almost like a like a would we want to work with you filter. Which I don't know if that's very scientific, but it seems to work for us. Oh, you're obviously doing a lot of things right, so you just got to go on instinct <laughs> to a certain degree. But I mean, for, for this middle of funnel, just just a last question in relation to yeah. you know, building your business. Um, the, did you was it obvious you were going to choose HubSpot, or did you consider other marketing automation platforms? It's been a full circle, actually. I sold HubSpot as an agency, okay. and we and I and I when I left HubSpot. I thought, oh, this tool's too big, too bloated. We don't need it. We're a lean startup. We're self-funded. We're 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 quick and nimble. And we ended up using uh, Infusionsoft first, and that was a nightmare. And then we switched to well, we got sold. And when I was the pickle, a guy a guy signed up for Design Pickle, and I signed up for his Infusionsoft reseller license, and it was about the same price, so it was a wash. I was I was willing to do anything for clients. Um, including sign up for Infusionsoft. So you knew I was desperate. Um, and so then, no no offense to anyone who's still using Infusionsoft. Uh, but then we switched to drip.co, which eventually got bought by lead pages. And that was really great. And actually, I still love that tool. And I highly recommend that tool. And it's been really what worked wonders for us. But the data is so siloed and compared to everything else that we're doing. And so coming back to HubSpot was ultimately for us, the right decision around having a tool that was that had a big enough buckets for all the data that we needed to collect and all the things that we needed to do, uh, not to mention the design has gotten really great. It's really seamless. And um, and also we wanted to hire an agency to help us with the transition and the migration. We didn't want to do it all in house and their agency ecosystem is just chock full of really top notch firms. Right. So um, that was another deciding factor is we're, we're too small of an in house team to manage that ourselves. So we decided to go with it so that we could get the extra bandwidth. Okay, well, um, in a moment, dear listener, we're going to be moving on to the second part of our discussion where I'll be asking Russ about the software that he couldn't live without. But first of all, have you purchased my copy of Digital Marketing in 2017, the book yet? 107 digital marketers, all in one book, sharing their number one actionable tip for the year and written by me. So you can uh, check out the reviews and grab your copy over at digitalmarketingin2017.com. But let us segue over to the second section of our show, and that focuses on Josh's thoughts on where digital marketing's been and where it's heading. So, starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. I said Josh. Why did I say Josh? It's Russ. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was Russ, but it's um, one syllable as well. Maybe that's what it was. (laughs) Sorry, Russ. Um, um, So, so, um, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, maybe apart from HubSpot, because we've already talked about that, um, it would significantly impact your marketing success? So me personally, Russ Perry or Design Pickle, because I have two very clear answers depending on how you want me to go about it. Can I be greedy and pick both? You can pick both. So I will start <laughs> with with the company overall, and that's Zapier. 
Right. Z-A-P-I-E-R. That thing, we are on the highest plan, the most zaps, being able to integrate all our apps and data and everything. I mean, that thing is amazing. And I love that tool. Me personally, it's it's uh, SaneBox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com. There's a lot of tools out there. So this is a tool that if I send you an email, David, I could BCC a special email address. I can put in any date and time increment. I can say one, one day or Monday at 3 p.m. And if you don't get back to me by that time, uh, then it will remind me of your email. Additionally, I can queue emails to come back to me. Let's say my mom emails me. I need to go buy her house on Saturday and bring some stuff. I can come have that come back on Friday so that I remember I just forwarded it. And I used to use all these Chrome plugins to do this. There's lots of other tools that do it. Uh, Boomerang, Write Inbox. These are other ones you may have heard of. But SaneBox is just uh, email driven. You just type it in, whatever thing. And it is it makes me look so organized and so on top of everything. And I could, if this went out or if the service went out or if my reminders got deleted, I'd be hosed. I wouldn't be able to function because I use it probably 15 to 30 times a day. Superb. Okay, well, I've certainly heard of Zapier and used that, you know, and I love that as well because it's so easy just to pin two APIs together without having to be a, yep. a geek or, you know, technically savvy. And um, same, sort of same Sane Inbox, it was called? Sane, Sane, Bo- Sane Box, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com. Sane Box, lovely. Okay, I think I've heard yeah. of that before, and I'll, I'll, I'll certainly go and uh, check it out. You've made me um, keen to to check that one out. Um, I'm going to ask you one other software question. It's a slightly more challenging one, yep. and that is what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about, and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Oh, okay. I... Well, technically, we're not using HubSpot, but I know we'll, we'll get to that. We just okay. signed up like last week. I'll skip that one. I think um, OBS Studio, I believe, is the webcasting uh, multi-camera kind of what you're doing here. Sure. Uh, we are going to be doing some live streaming, too, eventually. And that's something that we're testing out. I've heard really good things. It's free. It's open source. Allows to do multiple cameras, overlays, all this fun stuff. So um, maybe you're using it right now. I don't know. But I'm actually uh, using but... a platform called vMix. And v- vMix, V-M-I-X. is v- okay. v- uh, vmix.com. And v- vMix is a paid for platform, but they do offer a two month trial without any credit card re- uh, you know, required. So you, sh- you should probably give that a go as well, because I, I think cool. it's a little bit slicker and maybe slightly more reliable, but maybe that's compared with OBS from a couple of years ago, because it's been a couple of years since I've tried OBS. Well, actually, I was going to say this software because this is the first time I've ever used it, but I didn't know if that's probably like a like a too obvious of an answer because I was very impressed by your overlays and the cameras and the switching and all of that. So um, maybe my my new answer is vMix. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, hopefully that'll be the answer in a couple of months' time once you've tried it out. But um, anyway, thanks for those recommendations. I'll include them in the show notes at uh, digitalmarketingradio.com. But let us move on to... I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. So what didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? I really botched the sales process. Now, we talked originally about how I elongated the sales process through a couple different marketing strategies that didn't work. The webinars, the drip campaigns. And the other big mistake I made was I had a sales guy. 
Now the guy was awesome. The guy was a friend from college. The guy was an experienced sales guy. He knew what he was doing and he was selling insurance. So I was like, certainly this guy can sell pickles or design pickles. This is the easy, this is shooting fish in a barrel. But this was not the case. And it ended up costing me about two or three months of a salary, a lot of time and attention, uh, wasted his time, which he was in kind of a place with his life where he was transitioning. I wouldn't say either of us walked away from the experience saying that we failed or we did something wrong. But in hindsight, I tried to outsource sales, which so early on in my business was a huge mistake. I still focus on sales. I can't handle all the inbound inquiries, but I do do keep my pulse on it. And that would, I wish I would have never outsourced sales. I mean, ever, it's never something. I mean, that's the lifeblood of the company. And I tried too early on to say, okay, random guy or got new guy here, just take it and you, you now do it. And that was a disaster. It certainly seems like you're doing an awful lot within the business. So it sounds like you've um, certainly had a, a significant um, involvement in the marketing of the business and also about the sales of the business by the sound of it as well, and probably other areas as well. Is there a danger of you spreading yourself too thinly or is it is it very important for the business owner to be the most important per person in both sales and marketing? It's tough, right? Because you never know, there's never the right time to to hire, especially if you're, you're self-funded, you're doing it yourself because that next hire, that next person to hopefully take over whatever it is you're working on, that costs a lot of money. And what I, I did really well though, is I, I built a lot of systems and processes and documentation to where that I could bring people on and they could get up to speed pretty fast. I, I was never able to do that with sales. Today, I have almost 100 employees around the world, and so there's a lot that we've been able to do, um, but we've grown more in the last year than we ever have, and up until that really big growth spike, it was all about documenting the way I did it and then delivering that to someone to follow that and do it better. And, and I, again, I didn't do that with sales because we didn't even know what our like sales processes were until probably 12 months in. So it, it was impossible for me to go to somebody to say, hey, you go do this. I don't really know how I'm doing it, but you need to not only do it as good as me, you need to do it better. And if you don't, you don't get paid. Like it was this lose-lose situation that both of us agreed didn't work out. Um, but, um, but, I, but I also know my ability to document and delegate, document and delegate, document sure. and delegate is why we were able to grow to the point and to the sp speed and scale that we've we've been able to. This is a great conversation because every single answer you give, I want to drill deeper into it. Now I want to go further into a sales process, but now I'm thinking, no, that's a big, <laughs> big tangent. So I'm afraid, dear listener, maybe another time. We've got to move on to- Yeah, I'd love to come back. <laughs> so this is the quick response round, 10 quick questions, just two rules here. Try not to think about the answer too much and you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So use it wisely. Okay, uh, I saw that in the rules, all right. <laughs> Twitter or Snapchat? Snapchat. Facebook or LinkedIn? Facebook. YouTube or Facebook Live? YouTube. Mobile or desktop? Mobile. Website or app? App. Paid search or SEO? Paid. Outreach or advertise? Advertise. 
Email to one or email to many? One. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Both. And local marketing or global marketing? Global. Yay! I didn't think you were going to use your both <laughs> so there, but you... <laughs> I feel like I had to if I only get one. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, was great there. Um, Snapchat was the first one, the first question, and that kind of surprised me. I thought you were going to be more into Twitter there. Do you actually use that as an advertising medium? We have. We've done geofilters with it. And I actually kind of hate Snapchat, but I'm grossly fascinated by it. It's like a car wreck. Like I can't turn away and I want to learn more about it. I'm over Twitter. I could care less about Twitter. Okay. Um, because I see Snapchat um, shares. We're recording this um, just towards the end of July 2017. And um over the next few weeks, um, the original guys who got the shares are allowed to release them. So that's caused the stock price to go down quite a bit over, over the last few months. And um, it, it doesn't look that positive for them. But um, are you fairly bullish about where Snapchat's going? Is it, um, is it um, something... No, like I said, it's a car, it's a car wreck. Like car <laughs> wrecks aren't good. Car wrecks are just grotesquely fascinating and okay. I can't turn away from it so okay. <laughs> the $10,000 question if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business what would you spend it on and how would you measure success I would spend it on Facebook video ads hands down and they make it very easy to measure success assuming you have all your tracking set up correctly uh, I would create a limited time offer or sequence for our um, for a service, some type of promotion where I tag it on to some holiday that's coming up, some event, something. And I say, you know, talk about the limited time, go out there, talk about the service and then have a, a sequence of retargeting ads tag, tagged onto that. And I think we would crush it in that with that, you know, kind of little micro campaign with $10,000. Love it. My number one takeaway. Well, Ross, you've offered a lot of great advice in a conversation, but what is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that a listener needs to just take away and implement in their business? Make sure you're charging enough. That is my biggest takeaway, is make sure whatever you're doing, you're making enough money to pay yourself, as well as to reinvest that extra money into marketing and sales and growth. And this is what I didn't do for eight and a half years at my agency. I only made enough to pay mostly other people, not necessarily even me, and there was nothing left over. And we've done the opposite as we, everyone gets paid a fair amount, the clients get to pay us a fair amount, and then we have money left over to grow our business, which has been very powerful. Great advice. Now I was going to say that's what you started um, our conversation with there. So it's a nice um, loop uh, to, to finish off with. Um, just digging in a little bit more, you said that you started off with Design Pickle not charging enough. So, so how long, uh, you know, with this particular brand, did it take you to realize how much you should be charging? Well, when about half of my clients were telling me I wasn't charging okay. enough, that was a big indication that I wasn't charging enough. And ultimately, I had some financial models built out around the SaaS subscription. And as the labor costs started to come to life of what it actually, I had overestimated how many clients a designer would be able to support. I thought they would be able to support a lot more. 
So instead we had to hire more designers so that, that it was an, a fair amount of a load for a designer. So my labor costs were higher and immediately, even though my model was wrong, because I built a financial model, I knew where I needed to improve. I knew what was different that my labor was X and it was actually Y. And so if I increased my rates, then I would be able to cover that difference. And we've haven't changed our prices since, since to late 2015. And you didn't lose too many customers when you decided to put, put up your prices. No, and it's all about what does someone value? If someone doesn't value what we're doing, I don't want them as a customer. If they're going to argue with me about price, I mean, we are like insanely cheap, $370 a month. So if you think that's too expensive, then I certainly don't want you as a client. And I feel sorry for you if you're married because they're, your spouse probably thinks you're a cheapo. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that great um, phrase to finish off with. So uh, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way for our listener to find out more about you and what you do yeah you know actually we talked about designpickle.com but i have a personal site that's up and it has just a little bit more about all the projects my writing and everything um set up a landing page for you guys so if you go to russperry.co slash dmr for digital marketing radio then you guys can check it out and uh say what's up and reach out if you have any more questions Superb. And I'll make sure I link to that as well in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. So thank you to Russ and thank you to your listener too. If you have an opinion of what Russ shared today, tell us what you think. So the Facebook page is facebook.com slash digitalmarketingradio. You can tweet me at David Bain. Yeah, I'm still on Twitter. I haven't made it onto Snapchat quite yet. <laughs> and uh, remember to su- subscribe to the podcast if you're not already. So you can do that digitalmarketingradio.com slash iTunes for iPhones or digitalmarketingradio.com slash Android for Android devices. But until we meet again, be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios.